1: Tom Mullen Talks Freedom.
0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today I'm joined by J.P. Kirby, the National Director of Free Speech for Young Americans for Liberty, an organization that grew out of Ron Paul's 2008 presidential campaign and which is dedicated to advancing liberty on the campus and in American electoral politics. JP is with me today to talk about the progress the organization is making on campus related to, believe it or not, the Second Amendment. So, JP, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Tom. I hate to say this, but out here in the wilds of Western New York, and maybe in a few other places, there might be one or two people who haven't heard of Young Americans for Liberty yet. Can
1: you give us kind of the history of the organization and what it's all about? Absolutely. So Young Americans for Liberty came out of the Ron Paul movement, 2008, and we've been around ever since. And uh, we are a campus nonprofit that seeks to identify and educate the next generation of uh, leaders of the liberty movement and the principles of limited government, uh, limited forward intervention, the Second Amendment, free speech, uh, all the good constitutional stuff uh, to make leaders and help mobilize and equip students to uh, make effective change for liberty, uh, both in their communities, all the way up to the state legislative level through a lot of our different programs.
0: And I was a Ron Paul supporter as far back as 2008. And I couldn't remember whether it was after the 08 or the 12 campaign that you guys started but been kind of aware of your activities. What kinds of effects have you had in the past on campaigns or vetting candidates? Have you guys done something along those lines?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in 2018, we launched a sister pack to you know our Young Americans for Liberty nonprofit. And the sister pack is, was called Operation One at the Door, uh, since been renamed Make Liberty Win Pack. Uh, and what we realized is that while we had been training and educating all of these students across the country, uh, you know, in the principles of liberty, limited government, um, we hadn't really been making any sort of tangible difference that we could see and feel in, in the in the actual legislature and the actual laws that were restricting people's rights around the country. So in 2018, we wa- launched Operation One at the Door uh, as an effort to use all of this these resources that we had, which were young people who were excited to go out and do something in order to to protect liberty. And one of the best things you can do as a young person who cares about politics is knock doors. Dollar for dollar, it's one of the most effective ways to influence elections uh, out there. And we realized that we had this entire campus network of young people who are excited and we could, uh, our PAC could vet candidates to make sure that they met the standards of the principles we believed in. Uh, We have a thorough survey and candidates went through a vetting process. And if they were up to snuff, we would send our excited college students out to the districts where those Liberty champions were running in, knock doors for them, get them elected into office. And then once we had them elected into office, um, we then formed a coalition of legislators to not only hold each other accountable, but also so that we could keep tabs on them. Right. One of the principles of constitutional government um, is that you're expecting your politicians to do what politicians do best. And that's sort of go back on what they say. So although (laughs) we have some great champions who have never turned their back on their principles, even some of the people who, you know, walk, talk the talk, needed a little help walking the walk, and that comes in a couple different forms. That's either whether they just need encouragement to stay the line, or they need a little motivation from us door knocking in their own districts, reminding them that they are there to preserve the rights of the people they represent. And if they get a few angry calls from their constituents asking why they're not pushing constitutional carry like they said they would, that typically makes a politician rethink their course of action. And through that, um, we've been able to build up our coalition of legislative members up to almost 250. I believe we're going to lock in uh, 250 legislators with some wins uh, in elections tonight that our PAC is, is operating on. Um, And then through our Hazlitt coalition, we've been able to influence a bunch of different legislation, including uh, constitutional carry in Texas, school choice in Kentucky and Missouri, uh, and constitutional carry in Indiana. Yale was extremely influential in making the difference in the constitutional carry uh, bill in, in Indiana, which, of course, you may know is pretty relevant. Over the last couple of weeks where, you know, a an, an non-permit carrying uh, member of society, a citizen, was able to stop uh, a potentially horrific mass shooting before it, it got too out of hand. Um, so we, we've been able to influence a lot of legislation through the pipeline that we built with our student activists, as well as our, um, you know, the work that our coalition members do in the state legislature.
0: And I want to get to a current issue you guys are working on related to the right to keep and bear arms. But as your title is the National Director of Free Speech, we all are pretty aware of the free speech issues on the university campuses in this country. So Young Americans for Liberty seems like a kind of libertarian organization I know that the campuses are generally hostile to conservatives. How is your organization received on the various campuses it organizes on?
1: Well, the thing about the, uh, you know, the echo chamber on college campuses is that you're fine until they discover that you don't align on everything. So we go out and we talk about ending the war on drugs. We go out and we talk about uh, ending uh aggressive foreign intervention everything's fine and dandy but as soon as we start talking about lowering taxes and the second amendment then all of a sudden we're li- looped in with you know every every typical name they slap on the people that they they don't care for so when you're talking about libertarians students on campus uh you know they it becomes this sort of false promise of acceptance until you step out of line on the issues that the the echo chamber on the leftist campus don't care about. Uh, and then you're no better than, than, uh, you know, any, any other, other group. And that just seems to be, that's one of the reasons free speech uh, is so important because when you have these, these bulwarks of thought policing, um, you know, it doesn't really matter to what degree you differ from, from the, the accepted opinion. Um, in, in any slip up is going to, to lead to students being harassed, students being shouted down. Uh, and so we work a lot on campuses to make sure that the constitutional rights for all students, not just our own, but every group on campus uh, has the right to speak and assemble, and talk freely with their classmates about the issues that they care about without being, first of all, harassed by the administration. Uh, but one of the rising problems we're seeing, um, probably getting close to where it was back in 2016, where we're seeing it on a rise. Uh, the students themselves are doing a lot of the thought policing and shouting down. And so there are different ways that we can legally help students make sure that they're protected from their classmates. Uh, and we can definitely help students make sure they're protected from overbearing administrators trying to shut them down. Well, good for you guys. It's 2022 and you're still there. I
0: know some people have been just chased right out of the university, including some professors who didn't toe the line on this or that woke orthodoxy, for lack of a better term. Let's take a short break for this important message. Friends, if you're enjoying the content here at Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can support my efforts a couple of ways by going to tommullentalksfreedom.com slash support. You can join my Patreon for as little as $3 per month and get machine transcripts of every episode as well as access to my members only MeWe group or become an all access patron and get my paid subscriber only articles and videos. You can even become a VIP patron to get all of that, plus a free copy of the Tom Mullen book of your choice. Now, if you prefer Substack, I also post my paid subscriber-only content there, and you can find links to all of the above at slash support. That's slash support. Become a supporter of Tom Mullen Talks Freedom today. And now let's get back to our episode. And I don't know that maybe a tax decrease, if it's massaged the right way, well, this is only going to be for the middle class and we're still going to tax the rich, whatever. There's just no way to put a smiley face for your average progressive on the second amendment. And I imagine you're getting some flack from your latest project here in
1: South (laughs) Dakota. Why don't you tell us about that? Sure, absolutely. So in Rapid City, South Dakota, there is a school called South Dakota School of Mines, and it is home to one of our most effective Young Americans for Liberty chapters. Uh, maybe that's been in existence. Uh, the chapter there has had a couple generations now of great student leaders on its campus. They've grown. They talk to students on campus uh, very regularly. And they have a nice, healthy chapter. Well, South Dakota a couple years back passed a constitutional carry bill, like uh, has been passed in several other states. It was another in the line that said that you, uh, you know, if you are going to carry your weapon, you don't need to go beg the government for a permission slip. Unfortunately, as in a lot of states, um, college administrators get this magical idea that somehow the adult students that are on their campus are exempt from having the the rights and privileges of any other adult that's in the state. That as soon as these adult students walk onto a college campus, they somehow lose the rights uh, that any other adult would have in, in the state at large. And that didn't really sit right with uh, the college leaders at the School of Mines chapter uh anton mersin and liam Slavin, both very good leaders at the school of mines chapter Uh, and they decided that they were going to launch a student rights campaign which is one of our programs uh, in order to get campus carry passed specifically on their campus of south dakota school of mines not go through the legislature not pass a bill but work to pressure the school to adopt um, campus carry on campus. And this is the type of activism that we, like this is one of the peak activism moments that we have here at Yale is when we have students who are so committed and so fired up and so confident in the tools that they have in order to work with their classmates to get change that they are willing to actually take on a fight that will allow firearms on a college campus, which is something that you don't really hear about a whole lot. Across the country right now
0: And South Dakota School of Mines is a public
1: university, correct? That's correct. it is a it's a public university in Rapid City. Uh, it's got um, about 5,000 students or so and uh, so a, a relatively smaller campus but the the students in the School of Mines chapter were able to go out to their classmates. they whipped up a petition. Very quickly, and we're able to gather over 500 signatures. And I misspoke about the size of the school; it's about a 2,500 student school. So they're able to get about 500 signatures on a 2,500 person school. So that's 20 percent of the campus right there. Which, uh, if you've ever done any sort of petition collection or anything like that, 20 percent is a pretty hefty number. Um, and they marched this petition to the president's office and uh, made it known that they and their classmates were ready ready to have their self-defense rights back on campus.
0: That's very impressive, the number that you got. I just can't imagine that. And I don't know if they're a hardier group out there in South Dakota, (laughs) the rugged mountain types, but if Shakespeare is enough to send progressive students running for a safe room
1: looking for a teddy bear, what was the reaction to this? Well, surprisingly enough, I mean, you may be right. The more rugged types in that part of South Dakota, School of Mines, first of all, it's an engineering school, not a, not necessarily a liberal arts college. Uh, so a lot of the, they, it has a larger propensity to be uh, pro-gun. The students at School of Mines describe it as more conservative than your typical college. So it helped to not be you know, take in a gun battle at UC Berkeley, right? And that's something that (laughs) we do teach our students is that in order to be most effective where you're in the activism that you're doing, if you're gonna be spending energy, be spending energy on an effective fight that you have a chance to build a movement around. And I believe that the students at School of Mines, um, even though, you know, it's still a college, it's still a blue area, They realized that they had enough support from enough strong members of campus that they were going to be able to to pull this off without uh, an extreme amount of opposition and i'll tell you what they they showed up with enough support and with enough people around them uh, that we have not had many instances of shout downs we've not had many instances of no instances of violence toward our students. on campus at School of Mines, which is shocking when you think about another student rights campaign that we were working on to lift just a pepper spray ban at Auburn University. Um, Just to lift a pepper spray ban at Auburn University, our students were out there collecting signatures on the big school. And even the feminist groups on campus at Auburn University started getting out of control and yelling at our activists who were trying to allow women to be able to defend themselves on a massive party school like auburn university so um you know we definitely get all sorts of of reactions but in south dakota you know they must they they love their guns they love their self-defense and so the students have actually rallied around our cause which has allowed us to be in the driver's seat and lead to things like you've seen the billboard that we put up recently
0: It's funny because when you mentioned pepper spray before you even completed your answer, the first thing I thought of, because a lot of these aversions are kind of psychological. When you think of guns, you think of something, I guess, very masculine and very conservative in the mind of somebody who's against them. But when I think of pepper spray, that's the first thing I think of is maybe a woman who's been assaulted could use that to get away and especially the people who are preaching this thing called rape culture on campus you would think they'd have no objection to that but is it because of who is promoting the idea is that the only reason that they'd be against it
1: yes I I think that's exactly the case at least in in Auburn Uh, at Auburn it was it was that way Um, you know as soon as they saw our male Activists with Young Americans for Liberty gear—you know—the word "liberty" may be a little too much for them. Um, you know, it immediately became a conversation about privilege, and it became a conversation about uh, you know hijacking someone else's suffering uh, to promote a political cause, which is what the the feminist group was out doing as well. So, for not to get off on too much of a tangent about Auburn, but uh, as we were working on this policy change. Um, There were a string of assaults that were happening on campus at Auburn University, and it was a good conversation point. Our student activists were already out there promoting this pepper spray uh, policy before these attacks happened, And while they were out continuing their work, they were talking about the tax and the, um, you know, the weapons that we wanted women to be able to use to protect themselves. Meanwhile, the feminist group that they ran into out on campus, their solution to the attacks on campus were to ban fraternities at Auburn University, and that's what they wanted. They wanted to ban fraternities, and it became this struggle between, you know, we we approached the, the other group and said, hey, you all obviously support women, you know, not being attacked. Would you like to help us with our petition, sign our petition? And, you know, they they started screaming about politicizing the attacks, politicizing attacks, even though we'd been out there with our pepper spray petition before the attacks happened. they hadn't had their anti um, fraternity protests until after the attacks happened. But anyway, it, it gets to the point where, um, you know, you've got to follow the prescribed method. You know, it can't just be. You're concerned about the same things, or working toward different solutions, or different angles of a solution. Um, when it comes to dealing with progressives, a lot of times um, it has to be the the issue that they say is going is at the heart of it. Um, it has to be, you know, it has to be toxic toxic masculinity. It can't be that the women are under are left defenseless by college administrators it has to be this answer and if you don't ascribe to that issue you know if you don't ascribe to that answer then you know you're you're some sort of bigot you're some sort of uh privileged person using your using a uh, people's suffering to promote a political cause and we've seen that quite a bit across the country
0: let's take a short break for this important message Friends, if you like to read books as much as I do, there comes a time when you realize you just won't ever find the time to read every book you're interested in. Well, I have great news. Blinkist offers the key ideas from nonfiction bestsellers in as little as 15 minutes. For most books and their extensive library, you can choose to read or listen to Blinks, which summarize the main ideas and allow you to absorb whole books in the time it takes to run your daily errands or commute to work. Not only does Blinkist allow you to glean the information you need from books you don't have time to read, it helps you to decide which ones to spend time reading and get more details. You can try out Blinkist for free and get 20% off your first year by going to tommullentalksfreedom.com slash Blinkist, Spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. That's TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist. Start your free trial and get 20% off today. And now let's get back to the show. How could I think of my book? As I said, I never even would have thought of pepper spray. So I'm glad you guys are out there thinking of practical ways to solve some of these problems. Getting back to South Dakota, I know you've got a billboard up. You said you successfully presented the petition. Where does it stand now? And has there been any legal pushback? I could see where if you achieve this, that this could be something that becomes a rather big issue. Mm -hmm, Yeah. So
1: where we stand right now with the petition has a lot to do with the billboard. We delivered the petition uh, in the spring semester and we started talking to, and through delivering that petition, we were able to secure meetings with the president of the university, James Rankin. Uh, Anton Merznyans, our chapter leader at the time and his vice president, Liam Slovin, they sat down with President Rankin and it kind of went in a few phases of these talks. And the first phase was, more or less, I'm with you guys. I think that this is great that you're working in, you know, to change things on your campus. I really like your energy. Great. Next meeting comes up. Hey, guys, sorry to hear it. This is out of my hands. This is on the South Dakota Board of Regents, which is a statewide board that makes policies for all the public schools in the University of South Dakota system. So he comes back to our our members and says, hey, this is, not, this is not our my call. I can't do this. Well, we had already looked up the Board of Regents policy. We had already looked up the way policies are created and dealt with. Uh, and we knew that President Rankin, as the president of South Dakota School of Mines, could in fact change the policy at the School of Mines. And come to find out, he finds out later that we had already checked with the Board of Regents and their legal counsel, and they had told us, absolutely, yes, President Rankin can change the policy at School of Mines. So first things, right off the bat, he comes into the meeting acting like he is on the side of the students, he cares about this issue, and then comes back with, uh, frankly, a half-truth at best and a lie at worst, coming in and telling the students that he doesn't have control over These policies. And so once we confront him, Liam and Anton confront him about him being in the driver's seat of this policy change. And he doesn't like that we've checked with legal counsel too much. And he starts talking about, well, it's not that I can't change the policy, it's that I don't know what the other board, the other presidents at other universities are going to think about me if I, you know, change this policy. So we at Yale work under a model called uh, we call it the confrontational model of politics it's a it's a model that we've adopted in order to pass legislation it's been championed by other groups in the past and we've uh, really seen a lot of success with it um, and what the confrontational model of politics says is that when you have a politician or in this case uh, a state employed bureaucrat one of the one of the ways that you can get change is by making them, concerned about what they care about for a politician that is getting elected getting re-elected and getting elected to higher office one of the ways we pass bills is by making sure that politicians understand that if they don't stick to their promises that they have made to us to their constituents there would might be a good chance that they are not you know they are not elected to that office again when it comes to a college bureaucrat one of the things you can do is make them uncomfortable. Uh, When you're a college bureaucrat, and I've dealt with a lot of them since taking this job in 2019, uh, I like to tell my students a bureaucrat's favorite thing to do is nothing. And we're already seeing that (laughs) with President Rankin is that his first and foremost priority is he wants to be the guy that does nothing, uh, gets money for his school, and is everybody's best pal, right? That's that's the deepest desire of a college bureaucrat's heart. And so what we are doing now is making sure that he does not have that option. He has to make a choice. And he has to make a choice between um, his perceived popularity among uh, a board that he, you know, is it, not a board because it's not the Board of Regents, but the other presidents of other universities. And the students that he has been hired to serve, that he has been appointed to serve, and the students on campus have made it clear that they want their rights to self defense on campus. So, what we've done now is we've made a series of phone calls into his office for about a week. Liam, Anton, and their South Dakota School of Mines YAL chapter made phone calls to the president, President Rankin's office, for about a week. So, he had his phone going off the hooks for about about a week to make it clear that he was not uh, going to be able to ignore this situation. Um, And he continues to lean on the board of regents argument, even though we've completely debunked that. Uh, And so our next step is to make sure that the public, the parents, donors to the school understand that this, this college bureaucrat that has been appointed and has been hired to serve the students of South Dakota School of Mines, not University of South Dakota, not South Dakota State, but South Dakota School of Mines. That's his job. Those are his people. He is responsible to listen to their needs and provide them the liberties that they feel like they uh, should have in the state of South Dakota, Um, or he should be facing pressure and maybe potentially looking for another job. We're not trying to get anybody fired. It is not the goal to chase people out like a cancel culture mob, but it is our goal to make sure that people know uh, that bureaucrats and politicians alike know that when they are dealing with the rights of students and things as important as people's bodily autonomy, their safety, and we have chapter members at South Dakota School of Mines who witnessed a stabbing in the city of Rapid City walking to school. This is not necessarily the safest area. And when you're dealing with rights as as sacred as this, um, if you're, if you are not listening to the, the students that you should, you should reconsider why you are in a role that requires you to listen to your students and provide for your students and protect your students.
0: Boy, that's very enlightening. And you make a great distinction there between the elected leaders, and that's what I think everybody thinks about. But, boy, bureaucrats rule so much of our lives, and that's at every level, federal, state, and local. If you have anything to do in the property management or construction industries, you know that the most powerful person is the guy who hands out the permits, who can basically rule your life. And it's great to see that you guys have figured out a way to put some pressure on these people without resorting to being Jacobins, because I think we've all had enough of that. So I hope you'll keep me posted on the progress of this. I'd love to see a win here for something good on a campus once in a while. JP, where can people go to find out more about the organization? Maybe uh, send you a few bucks if they like what you're doing.
1: Sure. If you go to YALIberty.org, that will be our page. It's got plenty of places to donate. You can check up uh, on some of the programs that we have on that page. Our social media across all platforms is at YA Liberty, as in Young Americans for Liberty, at YA Liberty across all the platforms. And definitely keep up. Uh, anybody listening who wants to keep up with the School of Minds fight, uh, I'm sure you'll be hearing plenty, plenty about it on those social media platforms. And um, we have had success, we have had victories. We've got a pepper spray ban removed at Regent University in Virginia. We had a COVID vaccine mandate removed at Sacred Heart University in Connecticut um, and a couple other COVID policies across the country. So we are uh, refining the model and making sure that we can bring as much liberty to students on campus as we can.
0: Great. Well, thanks, JP, for all the great work you guys are doing. And thanks for stopping by. And again, keep me posted and we'll get back together and talk about how this turns out.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Tom.
0: All right, friends. That's going to do it for today. Just a few reminders to stop by TomMullenTalksFreedom dot com slash support and check out all the ways that you can support my efforts here, including joining my Patreon or my Substack. And if you haven't already, make sure that you go to It'sTheFedStupid.com dot com to download a copy of my free ebook. It's the Fed Stupid. And as always, if you like the music you've heard here on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at tommullen-sings.com. Thanks for listening.
1: The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.